Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. Hello and welcome to The Leader's Notebook. I'm Mark Rutland. I'm the executive director of the National Institute of Christian Leadership, and I am delighted that you've chosen to tune into the podcast today. The, the basis of this podcast, the thing that I try to concentrate on is four aspects, fundamental aspects of human reality. Life, of course, leadership, which I've practiced, believed in, and taught for more than 50 years, relationships. We're all involved in a relationship of some kind with somebody and somebody's all the time, and faith. Now, having said that, in reality, faith informs and undergirds all of the others. It informs the way that we lead. If we, if we have faith, if we have a certain kind of faith, a certain level of faith, that impacts the way we lead, how we think about other people that we lead, and how we think about what we do. It certainly is the, the essence of our life. If you are a Christian as I am, Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life and that more abundantly. So faith certainly speaks to that. And then, of course, the, the way that we live in relationship with other people, the way that we live in community, how you treat and understand other people is certainly informed by what you believe to be true about God. I know you've heard it said, somebody can be so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, but actually... The opposite is true. You can be so earthly-minded, so carnal, that you're absolutely no good to anybody about anything. Now, today's podcast, I want to deal with how faith impacts life in the midst of crisis. It is, um, it is interesting that Isaiah the prophet, when he began to uh, give his call report to record how he, uh, every prophet had what's called a call report. And it is exactly what it sounds like, the report of how they are called by God into the office of a prophet. Isaiah's call report is probably the most flamboyant of all of the call reports of all of the prophets. Isaiah was a priest, and therefore it's logical. The call takes place in the temp- in the temple And he was called from the office of priest into the office of prophet. He records that. He reports it himself in Isaiah chapter 6. I want to just read. I don't always read from the scriptures in this podcast, but today I want to. This is very, very important. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, let's just deal with that for a moment. Don't get confused between Isaiah the prophet and Uzziah the king. Uzziah had been a young king. He was a very religious king. He brought back uh, temple worship. He was a, a patron of the priesthood. So certainly Isaiah, who was a priest, loved him and appreciated him. He was a very charismatic young uh, king. He brought to the throne a lot of success, immediate success militarily and economically. There was kind of a, a national resurgence under Uzziah. But then at the peak of his career, as he became more successful and became more prominent, in the pride of his heart, in arrogancy, 
he attempted to insinuate himself into the priesthood and go into the temple and perform priestly duties. This was absolutely forbidden. Even the king is not a priest. Only priests are priests. So the legitimate priesthood resisted him, and Uzziah the king became so angry that he was stricken with leprosy in his face, lived the rest of his life with leprosy, which was a national disgrace, a scandal for the king to have leprosy, and then died of leprosy. So this is the the reference point, the historical reference point that Uzziah is referencing when he begins Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Note the the word also in the King James Version, which I'm reading from. It's it's omitted, strangely enough, from some of the other versions. But it's, it's there. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train, the the train of his robe, the, the hem of his robe, filled the temple. Above it, meaning the throne, stood the seraphim. That's the only place in the whole Bible where the word seraphim is mentioned. They are, they are amazing six-winged angelic beings. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved. In other words, the whole temple shook at the voice of him that cried, him meaning an angel. God has not spoken yet in this story. At the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the king. Notice the word, for mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Now, now this amazing, extravagant vision, probably one of the most amazing visions granted any man in the entire Bible uh, up until probably the the uh, transfiguration of Christ, which Peter and James and John saw. Up until that moment, this may be one of the greatest or the greatest of all personal visions granted any man. Isn't it interesting that he dates that extravagant vision with a contemporary political event? He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. It seems like a, a contemporary fleeting a political event, a sociopolitical event, the death of a king seems like nothing compared to the eternal vision of an immortal God and these amazing angels, but he dates the latter with the former. It's interesting and very human, isn't it? It's very like us. We all do that. We all have those years that are dated by historical events, the year that Jack Kennedy was killed. I I remember that. Some of you are not old enough to remember it, the year that Dr. King was shot to death on a hotel balcony in Memphis, Tennessee, the year of Columbine. Some of you will remember Columbine High School, and we learned that our high schools, our public education facilities could become killing fields. The year of 9-11, almost everyone listening to this will remember exactly where they were at 9-11. 
when we realized that our civilization, our country, our, our whole way of life had a target on its back and that we were, we were under attack from people that hated us and hated everything we stood for. And, and there are other events, circumstances in our own lives as well as, as um, those now we're facing and this issue of, of this uh, Wuhan vi- virus, this, um, this terrible virus out of China. So it'll be known in the years to come, people will look back and remember the year of coronavirus, the year of the Wuhan virus. And so we're facing that. We're dealing with it. It, it, it marks this year. It names it. But look at what Isaiah says. In the year of this terrible thing, the death of a king, he says, I also saw the king of heaven. Now, God is God. God can appear to anybody in any form he wants to. He appeared to Moses as a burning bush. He appeared as a column of fire, a pillar of smoke, uh, a dove, any, any form he wants. Why would he appear to Isaiah the prophet at exactly that moment in human history as a king seated upon his throne? Don't you see? He's sending him a wonderfully comforting message. He's saying, I know that you're worried because the king of Israel is dead. But I'm showing you the king of heaven is alive. He's saying to Isaiah and to us, you're you're concerned, you're burdened, you're you're worried about the future because the throne of of the country is empty. But I'm revealing to you the throne of heaven is occupied. That's the reason that the little word also is so important. Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. In other words, he's not denying that the king has died. Faith in the face of crisis is not denial. We don't deny that there is a virus abroad. We don't deny when the economic uh, indicators all go down. We don't deny that the stock market is in trouble or whatever it is. We are not immune from the crises of life. We live in the history of our own day. We live in our own contemporaneity. We have to. We are here. And faith is not denial. When the spies returned to Moses from the Holy Land, they, Moses had sent them in to spy out the land. When he did that, and they returned, and they said there are giants in the land, that wasn't the bad report. There, there were giants. The bad report was there are giants in the Holy Land, and we can't beat them. Joshua and Caleb, who gave the report of faith, did not say, no, there's no giants. There's no such thing as giants. We confess those giants out of the Holy Land. They said there are giants but we are well able to overcome them. With God on our side, we can win. So faith is not denial. Faith is seeing the historical reality that we're facing, but seeing also the transcendent triumph of God Almighty. So Isaiah says, I can see that the king is dead, and I'm not denying that. He's not saying, oh, no, no, the king is not dead. He's just asleep. He's just taking a nap. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. And he was seated upon a throne like a king, as a king, as 
the King of Kings. And in resplendent glory, the train of his garment, the robe spilled out into the, to the entire uh, vast expanse of the temple. And there's these glorious angelic beings, these seraphim with six wings who shout, and the very sound of their voice shakes the temple on its foundations. What, a, what an amazing, amazing supernatural moment. So what does it mean to us in the face of crisis, our own personal crisis? There are th- things in our lives that uh, rise up and demand the authority to name our year, the year that the year that we got married, the year that we got a job, the year the first time we got fired, uh, the year when our first baby was born, the year when he finally moved out of the house. All of those things are things that demand to name our year. And so people can say to us, how can you stay calm in the face of what's happening geopolitically? How can you stay calm in terms of, of Islamic, radical Islamic terrorism? How can you stay calm in the face of, of a virus or an affliction or, or terrorism or political upheaval? Don't you see it? And we say, yes, I do see it. I read the same newspapers you do. I look at the same news on television. I see it. I'm not denying that those things are real. But... Here's the word, but I also see the Lord, and he's high and lifted up. In other words, I have the re- a view of the immediate reality of the history I live in, but my transcendent vision of an eternal reality so goes beyond that that it comforts me, that I know there's a king who's on the throne and he is holy He cannot die. He cannot be corrupted. He cannot be bribed. And he is the king of kings. Let every king die and pass away. Let every government be swept into the dustbin of human history. Still, the king of kings is on the throne. In the year that King Uzziah died, in the year of terrorism, in the year of financial troubles, I see those things, but I also see the Lord. And he's high and lifted up. When that happens... When we begin to have that view, it restores our sense of depth perception. It shows us the things that are really important and the things that are not important. See, life and and the attack of our enemy wants us to make mountains out of molehills. It wants us to to see things as huge and block out the light. This is this is insurmountable. This is the end of everything. All of that kind of all of that kind of panic-stricken vocabulary. We're doomed, you know, chicken little thing, the sky is falling. That's what Satan wants to, uh, to impress on you. This is the end of everything. And he'll demand, can't you see this? Don't you see what's happening? Don't you see what's happening in Washington or Iran or, or, or worldwide? Don't you see? And there's no use to lie to him. Say, I do see it. I do see it. But I also see the Lord, and he's high and lifted up. And that restores my sense of depth perception. I, I now am able to view life and know which things are small and which things are eternal, and the things of God are what's eternal. Furthermore, it restores my sense of who I am. In the first place, I see the humility of who I am. Isaiah, the prophet, says, One to me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. When I begin to get a fresh vision of who God is, the first thing that happens is 
that I see a clearer view of my own sinfulness, the reality of my humanity over against the transcendent reality of God's divinity. But that, having happened, doesn't crush us or kill us. God doesn't want that. He wants us to be clean. He wants to lift us up. An angel comes then with a coal and places it against Isaiah's unclean lips and purifies him, cleanses him, sanctifies him. And now Isaiah's ears are open to hear God. And God says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Lord, look at me. Here I am. Is is there some way you can use me? Can you send me as your messenger? So you see, it restores our sense of depth perception. It then makes us, brings us into a place of humility. We understand our sinful nature. But then he doesn't abandon us there to crush us. He now leads us into a place of cleanliness and purity and holiness that we can now be in his presence and on his team. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And We say, Lord, here am I. Send me. So we can look at human history. We can look at the headlines. We can see what everybody else sees. And we can see the issues in family, life, history, and humanity. And people say, don't you, don't you see how terrible this is? Can't you see? We say, look, I'm not living in denial. I see it. But I also see the Lord. And he's high and lifted up. God doesn't want the realities of life, the historical realities of life, to crush us and block out the light. We don't have to live in denial, but at the same time, we don't have to live in defeat. We can say to history, I see the Lord and he's high and lifted up. History is not happening to God. God doesn't pick up the newspaper in the morning to figure out what's going on. History is unfolding in the palm of God's hand. Nothing is going to happen in life, humanity, or history, your own or the history of the world that will be a surprise to God. God's never taken off guard. He's got you in the palm of his hand too. Keep your eye on him. The king is alive. The king is still on the throne. He's still surrounded by angels. In the face of crisis, you can live and lead and maintain your relationships with health and hope because the king is still on the throne. Well, let me... uh, Close by just reminding you of the National Institute of Christian Leadership, thenicl.com. That's the website you want to go to to learn more about the NICL. I hope you'll join me as we tackle in a year of some tremendous teaching the issues of leadership and the complications of leading in this complicated world that we live in. Leading in the 21st century is not going to be for lightweights. It's going to be for great leaders, and great leaders are always great learners. Join me at the NICL.com. I'd be honored to have you as one of my students. Until next time, this is Mark Rutland and The Leader's Notebook. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.